Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. If our listeners can't hear it, that's uh, that's Jocelyn gritting her teeth after experiencing purchasing a Nintendo item, a rare Nintendo oh, item. Oh my God. From a terrible store. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think most of our listeners are from the States, so you may not be familiar with it, but we have a store up here called The Source, which used to be Radio Shack. It might still be Radio Shack in the States. I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, the worst, worst experience I have ever had. And I have pre-ordered or or just straight up ordered high demand tech items like consoles specifically or, you know, collector's editions and all kinds of stuff. I have pre-ordered tons of things online in the past through many, many, many different retailers, through Walmart and Costco and Best Buy and like from the actual, you know, PlayStation or Xbox store themselves, like direct from the company. I have never had as bad an experience as I did with the source today. It was awful. Oh, my God. (laughs) So yeah. like I I was all ready to go. It, it stuff was supposed to go live at 11 a.m. So I was all set to go and I was logged into my account and everything else. And it took me, I think by the end, it was like uh, 1145 when my transaction finally went through. And basically it went through by me avoiding telling them who I was like the whole time. It kept kicking me out and then it kept telling me to log back in. And I was like, I'm already logged in. You can see it says, hi, Jocelyn, at the top of the page. It knows who I am. <laughs> like, What is going on? <laughs> and so eventually I got to the point where I could click check out as guest. And that finally, because like their everything, their website, their authentication service, like everything was down. Oh, my God. I was so frustrated. I was like, all I want is this freaking controller because... I had the controller pre-ordered through Amazon already, but then Walmart had the controller and the case. No, wait. You had the backwards. case. I had the Amazon. case ordered through Amazon. And then uh, then Walmart had the controller and the case in a bundle. So I ordered through Walmart and everything was fine and dandy and it went through. No big deal. And then like an hour and a half, two hours later, I got a cancellation from Walmart. I was like, damn it. <laughs> so like I've been trying to get this controller it's the the Tears of the Kingdom Zelda controller, pro controller. I've been trying to get it ever since it was announced. And things just keep blowing up in my face. So I'm like crossing my fingers and knocking on wood like crazy that the source doesn't cancel my order. But like I was like, this is probably my last chance. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. This is it. And I didn't want to order any of the like the collector's edition or anything else. Because we talked about this. The collector's edition of Tears of the Kingdom is... <gasps> So I'm like, this is you, the only you cut thing out there so people can use their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. My mic is too good. It didn't pick up my raspberry sound. <laughs> oh, OK. There you go. It's like, well, that's not a podcast safe sound. We're just going to go ahead and mute that. No, I have a button for that. Oh, you do? You, you have a filter that says, like, make sure you don't get my poop sounds. Is that what Yeah. OK. <laughs> Just in case you, it's a fart filter, it's so that you can pass yeah. gas while we're recording. I get it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, anyways. Uh. Yeah. I. I. It's. It's poop. It's not worth ordering. Um. So this is the like collector's thing, and I know I didn't love Breath of the Wild, but I'm giving Tears of the Kingdom a chance, and in the end, it's still Zelda content, so I'm still gonna be excited about it. Um. But yeah, I don't want the collector's edition because it's poop and it's not worth ordering. So. Um, anyways, this was like my Zelda collector's thing because I do really like the design too. And again, like it's not really like Tears of the Kingdom specifically, like it has that Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild kind of Zelda aesthetic, but it's all like just gold and black and white and, you know, Zelda, Zelda kind of iconography. So it looks really cool anyways, even if I don't end up loving the game, but we'll see. I might like it. I liked Breath of the Wild. Okay. It was like an eight out of 10 for me, which is not terrible. That's really good. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you liked Breath of the Wild, Jocelyn. I'm not going to lie. Well, like, I mean, I didn't hate it. It was fine. It yeah. just, you know, like everyone else was like over the moon raving about it. And I'm kind of like, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> like other Zeldas are much better, but this was fine. Had some stuff I didn't love. I just and and I know Tears of the Kingdom is going to be kind of more of the same because it's this direct sequel, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
it started off or it was meant to be an expansion, like meant to be DLC, but then they made it its whole own thing. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I I believe that it will be a good follow up to Breath of the Wild. I'm not I'm not going to uh, I, I'm actually this year. I, I don't know if I just haven't had the time to get my hopes up for, for stuff. I'm excited about video games. Don't get me wrong. But there was a time when you were like super stoked for a video game and now it's like ah you know what it gets delayed i got lots of other stuff i'm busy there's other games and i think that's that's probably the healthier approach because then when you when you do get it and it doesn't live up to your wild expectations um it's it's not a it's not disappointing i'm not saying like you know lower expectations so you're never disappointed you can still be excited for stuff i'm excited for tears of the kingdom but i'm not like thinking it's going to be you know, the, the best Zelda ever. I, I mean, all the Zelda games have quirks, you know? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with just that there's so much right now. Like, there's so much to look forward to and so much going on, so much to play that I almost, like, lose track of things that are coming. So, for instance, the Horizon DLC is coming out tomorrow. That is, like, one of my favorite games of all time. That, well, like, Horizon, the the series, Zero Dawn and... And now Forbidden West, like I freaking love those games and I knew there was DLC coming out. I couldn't tell you the date. <laughs> I had no freaking idea. And then like uh, something popped up in like my my Twitter newsfeed or whatever about the, you know, you can preload the DLC now. And I was like, oh, sweet. It's like bonus surprise. <laughs> it's like I vaguely know that Tears of the Kingdom comes out in May. I couldn't tell you the release date. Like there's so much to keep track of. And so I find like my expectations don't really get as high these days, except for things like, you know, the next Horizon game, like the full on game, not not an expansion, not a DLC, whatever. But like outside of that, I'm still ex like you said, still excited, still want to play stuff. But there's just so many things that it's like I can't get to hype level 10 for everything. Right. So <laughs> that means my expectations in general for games, I feel like are a little lower. Which I think plays in games' favor, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's just it, it. It keeps when you keep your expectations in check, even if that check is just like you're still excited, but you're as you said, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not over the moon for it. But there are still games that will come across every once in a while that. Um, that you really, really, really are looking forward to. Uh, and, and I think Horizon is a great example for yourself. I think God of War Ragnarok was probably the last one that I was really excited to play as a follow-up to one of my favorite games. And, you know, Spider-Man 2, probably later this fall, like I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm not like, oh man, I wish it was September. We don't even have, have a date for it. Like I haven't, I'm not sitting here like hoping that time passes faster because honestly, like it'll... It'll be here when it gets here, and I I want them to take their time with it. Um, am I disappointed when when delays are announced? Sure. Like if they said like, oh, we have to delay Tears of the Kingdom by two months, that would be disappointing. But I'd also be like, you know, take your time because honestly, like I wanna I wanna play it when it's when it's best. I don't want to play it like you see the articles about um, even a port, The Last of Us Part One. You know, folks are looking forward to playing that one coming to PC, and it's almost like, well, it comes out on the 28th, but you have to wait two or three months for all the patches to be in so it can run on your hardware, and they're still patching it to this day. So, and it's been about, I think it's been out for, for about three weeks, so I'd rather see a delay than them release something that requires a few cycles of patches, or put it out in early access, and, and you know, that's something we've talked about in the past yeah, make it make expectations clear from the get go. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're if you're putting it out on PC and you're not sure it's going to be optimized or it's not running on the majority of hardware, like make it known, like put it out in early access and be like, look, it, we are committed to making this work uh, throughout the patch cycle. But uh, as of right now, you can buy it. It might not run in your hardware, but stay tuned. I don't know. That's probably introduces a whole other range of <laughs> dangers. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm excited for Tears of the Kingdom. It is wild. I'll probably start to get really excited when when it's the week of launch and I'll be like, okay, how do I strategically fit this in? When when am I playing this thing? Am I taking yeah. time off for it? Am I just playing in the evening and then forgetting what time it is? Like, what am I doing? You know? So, yeah, I'm excited, but I, I will wait a 
couple more weeks before I get too excited. <laughs> That's fair. So what are you playing in the meantime to kill time between now and then? Right. Well, you know what? I've been playing a small game that just launched a couple weeks ago. It's called Wall World. I saw this recommended for me um, on Steam. Yeah. So where are you playing it? On Steam or is it is it like a, a Game Pass game <laughs> that I would pay for <laughs> if I wasn't paying attention? <laughs> it's funny. You were waiting for this episode to be like, I better check with Ryan to see if this is on yeah. Game Pass. No, it is, uh, <laughs> it is not on Game Pass. I'm playing it on Steam. I was lucky enough to get a code for this one through the publisher uh, or through the PR uh, company. And it uh, so it is it is on Steam. It just launched a couple weeks ago. I've actually been playing it. I started playing it on the PC. It's not verified for Steam Deck, which is usually like, a, you know, your experience. We don't know what it'll be, you know, like they haven't Valve hasn't tested it and, and assigned it like a, a ranking. There's a like three levels of ranking of like. We don't know unsupported to playable and then verified verified being like it works flawlessly on the platform and and uh, you can see all the stuff like sometimes UI issues is a, is a problem with the Steam Deck if if the text is too small. Um, so this one's still like un unverified, I think, is or we don't know type situation. But I did end up loading it up on the Steam Deck in at least docked mode and it runs flawlessly. It runs fine. So um I haven't run into any issues there, so I've been primarily playing it on the Steam Deck now that I now that I got it set up there. And it is going to remind a lot of folks of a game I talked about a couple months ago, I think, called Dome Keeper. So I want to get that out of the way. I was going to say, it sounds like you're very into digging games right now. <laughs> like as much as I'm into <laughs> like city builders, you're into digging things. <laughs> you know, there's just way back when we talked about uh, Steam steam world dig and steam world dig too like i think it's that feeling of discovery but also like that slow not slow but like that manageable progression as you're like okay i gotta on this run i gotta get this far to get these these resources and and fight these enemies and such and and i think there's something satisfying about like making that steady progress um and now with with both Domekeeper and Wall World, they've kind of introduced a more like, um, uh, and I, I always try to have the this the descriptor up here to see whether it's a rogue light. I think it's a rogue light, right? No, it's the it's the one where you you collect resources and all of your stuff is destroyed when when you when you fail. But those resources that you do collect, a, a specific amount gets pulled into um, an upgrade system that you can work on in between runs. So Wall, Wall World has that where you are setting up specific runs and you start from scratch from an from a from an an inventory level and from a from a power ups level. Like you you do have uh, power ups that you can unlock through the main resource that you're mining, um, which is just every rock you destroy adds to that resource. Um, so you're kind of encouraged not just to destroy the the rocks that have the minerals, which you can see, but destroy everything because everything you destroy is giving you that, that currency that carries forward through each run to unlock uh, different upgrades. And, you know, at the beginning, it feels very, very close to Domekeeper. Like you are starting... You're on a wall. The world is made of this wall. There's a giant wall. You can choose to go up the wall. You can choose to go down the wall. And there are specific mining points that you latch onto. And that allows you to mine, get out of your spider mech and go into the, the to, into the wall and start mining for resources and such. So it's like Dome Keeper, but flip 90 degrees. <laughs> Essentially, like especially at the beginning, it very much feels like that. Like they they they're definitely inspired by Dome Keeper here and 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 again, I don't know, you know, what idea came first, but I I have I played Dome Keeper first and I was like this reminds me a lot of of that game. And, you know, specifically at the beginning where you are doing these repeatable runs, you know, walk up to the first mining node, enter it, mine all you can, go back to your your spider mech and then keep moving up or down the wall to find the next mining node. And I think that's the big difference early on is that you aren't sitting still like you're like in dome keeper, you had your dome. It didn't move. You had to defend it during, you know, enemy raids. 
But uh, with Wall World, there's a bit of a strategy there. Whereas when the enemies attack, you can move your mech around, which is your which is your health bar. Okay, so they're attacking they're attacking your mech, and that like that's your home base that moves around. Exactly. Yeah. So they every I don't know what the intervals are, but uh, I'd say about every couple minutes they will they will attack. And also, it appears as though and I don't know if it's a bug. It's annoying, but um. It kind of makes sense. If you progress to a certain point of the wall, like if you keep going up or you keep going down, it appears as though that will trigger an enemy attack as well. Regardless if the meter has been filled or not, there's a little like enemy radar meter that tells you when the when the enemies are, are going to attack, which is good. You want to know that because if you're further down in the mine and you have to get back to your spider mech to defend it, um, you're going to want to make sure to leave leave yourself some time to to get back to your mech. So that's that's critical. Uh, but you can move that mech around while you're defending it, which is super helpful because it allows you to kind of stay ahead of enemies. So if they're shooting you, you can kind of they're aiming at a specific spot. If you move further up or further down, you can kind of stay ahead of um, those bullets. Uh, but you can often when I when I would fail, I would often be getting uh, overwhelmed by enemies because if if an enemy is in front of your spider mech like on the ground because there are enemies that will kind of crawl across the wall they'll okay. stop your progress uh in which you will be pummeled <laughs> until your <laughs> mech explodes so it really does encourage you like when i first started playing i would defend my mech while just stationary then i realized like wait i can move around um I really should be doing that. So <laughs> that gave me a little bit of extra survivability. Uh, on top of that, like using the resources you collect by mining every stone, you can upgrade different abilities. Like, for example, there's an ability that gives you um, a hook shot, which allows you to like hook into the wall and kind of jump off of it as your spider mech, sort of as if you were reclining down a down a cliff. Um you, you, it gives you that extra boost to kind of move away from a bunch of enemies. Uh, there's also one to have you go up like a jetpack uh, a little bit. It just gives you that little extra push to kind of give you more mo- mobility and also jump around enemies that have, may have surrounded you. Um, and there's also a homing missile as well, which has been super super useful as I'm as uh, as you're trying to defend yourself because it'll it'll go after. I don't know if it like prioritizes ground enemies but i've found that for the most part it will go after the ground enemies because those are the ones that are harder to avoid because they will stop your progress and yeah it's like the and the mining is uh it's i'll say this it's not as satisfying as dome keeper and i i don't know Mm. if that's just the difference being in wall world uh you aren't you aren't constricted to like a physical drilling of one you know block at a time you kind of have a drilling laser which is more useful on paper and in the sense of you can like kind of just stand in one point and point the laser and it's got a bit of a range to it so you're not moving your character as much as you would in in uh dome keeper but i felt like in dome keeper you kind of didn't you could kind of maintain all your other stuff at the same time while only having to worry about where am i pointing my character but now that wall world has like you have to use both sticks at the same time. So you have to be moving your character and pointing the laser at the same time, Mm. which can get a little cumbersome when you're trying to um, use, remember to use your power-ups, you know, remember to, it just adds an extra layer, which can distract you from, oh, my mech is under attack. Um, It's probably a me problem. Like I'm sure a lot of folks are like, oh, well, it's it's like a dual (laughs) stick shooter. I, I can handle this. But for me, it's like, ah, I forgot, you know, I forgot where I was going or I forgot to use my, uh, uh, overdrive ability so as you're mining you're finding like these power-up orbs and there's a lot of like actual uh, actually a lot of ways to like get these like additional abilities just through discoverability of, of finding them randomly in a mine but you can also like find and i thought this was really cool you can find further down the tech tree upgrades so you can upgrade your and these are the upgrades that reset every time you play um, okay you you find like further down the tech tree upgrades so you can skip like to the fourth tier laser efficiency so suddenly like you were mining okay so it's kind of like in in other games where you like steal tech or something like that Mm -hmm. 
right? Where you don't necessarily have to do all the the research or pay all the points for the in-between steps. You just suddenly have like laser level four. Yeah, which makes, you know, makes the your you mining much faster. So it kind of feel, it kind of feels like, oh man, when I find this, it feels a bit OP at, at the start of the game because suddenly I'm mining like no problem. Whereas um, depending on how how fast you've upgraded your exosuit, which is what you're using to mine, um, it can go a little bit slow and it can feel a little bit slow and tedious uh, until you get those upgrades, especially if you do go into like one of the biomes. So depending on what you mine, I think it's like a random biome. And you can tell just by looking at it, like how hard it will be to mine it. So uh, at, at the beginning of the game, you want to make sure you're entering a biome that's like, okay, it's I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall asleep while trying to mine this stuff. It's it's gonna go fairly quick, and then allow me to upgrade uh, my abilities. But you know, the game feels random enough where like you're not punished for like if you were to go into the first mine you find and be like, oh no no, I'm I'm not ready to mine this one yet. I don't have enough. Um, I don't, it's not going to go fast enough. You can, you can just exit the mine and and come back to it. You know, you don't really, as far as I've seen, it's not really punishing you when you decide to come back to a spot later or not at all. Like I, I assume it's somewhat endless in terms like if you were just go straight down, like you might, you might get attacked by enemies if you go straight down without mining and upgrading your, your abilities, which, and then you would, you would die and have to start over. But I don't think it uh the game is certainly punishing you if you decide to skip this this mine and go to the next one. You might miss out on some resources and some upgrades, mm-hmm. but um it it's totally up to you as the player as to where you go. Like you're not trying to like you are there is like an overarching goal of like finding these keys and I was going to say like how do you how do you win? <laughs> yeah, well see that's the thing. Like I haven't won yet, but like the game kind of like lays it out really uh really broadly in terms of how you how you win like at the at the start like I, or maybe i missed it it felt like such a passing thing i found like a key and it's like oh if you find five of these keys you'll be able to unlock the core and i'm like cool like, that sounds useful i think the idea here is that we're trying to discover there's a legend that the wall is not endless you know there's a legend that the earth is round <laughs> you know and and there's a lot of text of like how would that work and you know it, they play with it they have some fun with it but it's the idea is the wall is endless and no one's ever dug to the other side it's probably because like you're you can't <laughs> If okay. you if you like completely mine out like a certain area, um, there are bricks that are unminable. Like, and, and you okay, can tell. I was gonna say, couldn't you just pick a spot and keep going, and then just come out of your hole to kill the wave, and then go back down your hole? <laughs> no, the, 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 each area is kind of finite, and um, that's noted by like a solid black uh, mm. area there. And there are little rooms you can find. Like, there'll be like little rooms that you can mine into, and it's it's not even a they unlock instantly, and it's maybe there's a little bit of story text in there with some you know a a cache of resources and stuff and um those are helpful because it's a quick one and jump in grab what you need read the text and then jump out uh but like i really i really enjoyed like upgrading the abilities outside of the game because those are the ones that make it more unique you know like moving along the wall like increasing your the key one, like increasing your backpack space so that you don't have to return from the mine as often. You can kind of keep going before you fill up. There is like a finite amount of resources you can hold. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But that's something you can upgrade. And then again, you, the difference between your hour one runs and your hour seven runs are going to be very different because you can collect more resources. You can stay in the mine longer before you have to go back and and feel like you're getting like a full and complete um mining run between each uh enemy uh attack so like at at first it feels very similar to dome keeper but then as you keep going with it and you keep unlocking stuff like you you do realize like it it is much it is it is different you know uh i'll say this like the base weapon which is a machine gun i haven't really felt the need to use the other weapons you you discover which are randomly throughout the mission or throughout the the runs, you'll find different weapons and such. But like, I find the machine gun has worked in combination with being able to move around and using the homing missile. 
Uh, but maybe, maybe that's just me doing it wrong. Cause I, I, like I said, I do keep failing. I do keep getting overwhelmed. So maybe, uh, maybe I do need to break out the shotgun or, uh, I think there's a shotgun. I discovered like a, like a bomb thrower and then like a spike thrower as well. So there's a lot of variety in there. If you're willing to get in there and experiment with different options. I was going to say, one of the things I remember you talking about was like the combat in Domekeeper and the different weapons and stuff. Like, does this have as much variety and interest in the combat? Uh, I would say there's more here. There's definitely more here yeah. in Wall World for combat. Like there's more weapons uh, because in Domekeeper, there was only the two weapons. There was well, at the time of when I played it, it was uh, the sword and then... There was lasers, I think. And in this one, it is you you always start with the machine gun and then the other weapons you find are are randomly sort of discovered each run. So you always start the run with the with the machine gun, um, but you can kind of add additional gadgets that you unlock. You can find blueprints. So like the first page of the out of mining uh, upgrade screen, there's like one page there that you can constantly upgrade. But then there's a second page that is only unlocked by finding blueprints so i was able to find um like a, a minor shield uh gadget as well as like a uh a, a, a chain shock so you could you could shoot it you could trigger the gadget and then it would honestly it would like um it would kind of ping between the enemies if they were close enough and and uh and take them out which worked really well so there's more variety here like i said as you get going and as you unlock more stuff um I I do wish though that you could you could make your 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 mining laser like permanently uh better but I know that would probably speed up the game probably a bit too much in terms of its repeatable runs mm-hmm. but um so I understand that I wouldn't fault it for that I it's just one of those things of like okay I got to you know mine enough to get my laser upgrade and hey maybe I'll find you know the permanent upgrade to or a, a, like a a skip upgrade or something but uh, yeah, and you know, in terms of the enemies, like they, I think it's pro- probably like on par in terms of the variety of enemies you're fighting. You know, there's some flying enemies, there's some uh, bigger spider enemies that that are crawling across the wall. Like they don't look like spiders, but they they've kind of got that feel. And um, and then every 20 minutes, a giant boss will show up. Uh, I've uh, you can kind of see it in the screenshots, but essentially, like after 20 minutes a boss fight will start so the enemies are still attacking you but there's also like this boss and it kind of encloses you with its these like tentacles and you so again like you can still move around but you are tied into a specific area yeah. uh and it'll telegraph like where it's going to slam one of its one of its tentacles and you kind of move out of the way and you have to destroy its um you know weak points so it'll so it'll so it'll basically run away and reset that 20 minute timer so I was kind of confused at first. I was like, oh, we only get to mine for 20 minutes. Is that like an oxygen thing or something? But no, it's just giant monster attacking. And uh, he shows up every <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> like clockwork. Um, and maybe there are additional bosses after that. But I've only I've only been able to survive his attack uh, twice. But um, it really feels like, like there's a lot here. Like I've got a bit more to go for sure. But uh and, and, you know, I've even noticed like they've been doing a lot of updates to the game. Um, and when I played it, you know, a couple of weeks ago compared to today, they've they've really started to address like some of the discoverability of upgrades and the amount of resources that are showing. At least that's how I felt like it, it feels like they've really started. Um, they're taking player feedback to heart and, and tuning it in a way and, and making improvements to controls and such. That was the other thing I noticed. The controls have started to uh, get a lot more responsive i'm playing with a controller so um i've noticed that as well less cursors jumping around and such so yeah it's uh i'm really enjoying it and i i think if you had like i think if you look at both domekeeper and wall world i i'd say like it's definitely worth looking and experiencing both because they are unique they are different enough um but i'd say there's like there's a lot more going on with with wall world like it's a little more it's a little more complex it's got more upgrades it's got more sort of you know, combat options and such. So definitely don't count it out if you've played Domekeeper and you're looking for more games like that. Very cool. And so this is this is more of a like personal I want to know question than like sure. probably for everybody else. But like I'm very curious about the Steam Deck. 
because mm-hmm. you talk about it all the time. Is it <laughs> is it worth actually like owning? Because so uh, I'll preface this by uh, we did a lot of travel over Easter mm-hmm. and uh, I was and still am super into Graveyard Keeper. It's gotten to the point where it's getting really, really grindy, but I blame that more on myself not realizing what the goals were going to be than the actual game. Like, I think I could have done things in a much more efficient order. I didn't realize kind of how interconnected all the quest lines were going to be. And I also didn't realize the importance of like money um, because at some point you have to spend 12 gold on something. And it took me like four weeks of like grinding stuff to get enough money to progress like three or four different quest lines. So anyways, um, I was doing all this like grindy, like farming and stuff like that. And I was like, man, it would be super cool if I had a Steam Deck and I could just like play this in the car on these like four hour long drives. Like, so I know like you're playing it not necessarily even when you're kind of like on the go, but like Steam Deck, like thumbs up. (laughs) Uh, well, okay, here's the thing. I guess, should I buy, should I, Jocelyn, buy one? buy a (laughs) Steam Deck? Um, I I think you would get good use out of a Steam Deck, because here's the thing, like, the Steam Deck, what I use it for, is for, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say smaller titles, but more, less, less intensive, uh, titles, titles that don't need, like, the latest, you know, rtx nvidia whatever ati calls their video cards you know like i think graveyard keeper wall world dome keeper um a lot of the smaller titles uh that we talk about on the show run really well on on steam deck and uh if you're like me and you hate turning on your pc and being like okay what updates do you need why isn't the steam overlay loading stuff like that where you can just take the steam deck out of the case put it in the dock plug it in hit the power button and suddenly you're playing wall world it's like a switch in the sense that it is it is put into a low power sleep mode and you just turn it on and maybe it'll update if it needs to but it's not like it's that's for me is the biggest thing is like it's just a quicker it's just master. easy. And and yeah, it's easy. Well, like, so for me right now, like, so I've noticed um, through the pregnancy, I've been really uncomfortable just like sitting at my desk all day long. Mm-hmm. And so like there and I've also because I've been going to bed earlier, all my gamer friends, I used to play with them from like nine o'clock onwards. And like I'm in bed by that time now. <laughs> so like I'm playing a lot more like single player experiences. So between being uncomfortable sitting at my desk all day and then also going to bed earlier. And so like my gaming habits have shifted a little. I'm like, it would be really nice to be able to just like sit in bed or even just sit out on the couch for a little while and just like even play in handheld mode, like not even necessarily like docking to the TV, although obviously that's also an an option. But like and especially as well, like we've had all the renovations and everything else because we're selling our house right now. So like I haven't even had like my normal relaxing like living room space or anything like that. And now we're packing and, and getting ready to to leave at the end of the month. So I'm just like, if I had like a handheld portable gaming system, I feel like it'd be so much better. And there are so many things because obviously I have the switch, but there are so many things that are available through steam that i don't have access to unless i'm on my pc so like more and more over the last like month i've been like man ryan talks about the steam deck all the time and i feel like i really have a use case but is that use case still gonna be there (laughs) you know after my life settles down a little bit um and yeah like i feel like maybe right now it would be amazing but i don't necessarily want to like buy something that then i'm not going to use come the summer um but anyways I'll, and then I, as soon as I say that, I'm like, oh, but in the summer, I go to the cottage where there's no internet and it'd be so great. <laughs> but never mind. Anyways, I think maybe I ha- it has a larger use case than I'm giving it credit for. And maybe it's something I should like look into because I absolutely just kind of like dismissed it before the last like month or so. And I feel like every time you talk about a new game that you've been playing, you're like, oh, and on the Steam Deck, blah, 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 blah. And this is how it plays. And I'm like, man. He is doing so much on that thing. <laughs> yeah, there's well, see, here's the thing. There's a lot you can do with the Steam Deck. I know we have uh, some fans in the Discord who also love their Steam Deck, and uh, you know, um, 
I, I will say this and everyone will say this, you know, your use case of using it while you're while you're going for long drives. The battery on it has been definitely noted as, a, as an issue. It, it does not last very long. However, um, that is with use cases where you're playing um, some of the more high end games. So a lot of the games they use in their marketing is like, oh, it can play control and, you know, Jedi uh, Fallen Order, you know, but like that's going to eat the battery like like nothing else. So but Graveyard Keeper wall world like smaller indie style experiences like those aren't going to chew away at the battery and even then there are ways around it um like plugging it into a wall that's what i do on occasion like if i'm playing if i know i'm going to play for more than a couple couple hours handheld mode i will have some sort of charging cable for it you know if we it's very rare that i find myself like oh it's gonna die unless i forgot to charge it which you know happens but now with the dock uh i would say this like look if you wanted to play graveyard keeper on the couch on the big screen or play it on the couch handheld mode like get yourself a dock you know get that all set up like it is it just it works really well and honestly it just it it saves me from having to boot up the pc all the time um both for work and and for for video games and uh, but there are experiences like I talked about Resident Evil 4 last week I played it's playable on Steam Deck but it runs far better on a more modern you know PC with modern modern equipment right you know there are going to be games where you could probably be like well you know I'll just I'll just power through it uh, on a lower end system which is the Steam Deck but really where the Steam Deck has has shined for me is with experiences where you know, I do like to play the smaller titles and I know you do as well. Like, you know, there's, I think it opens up your options for playing, you know, like games like wall world, like, like, uh, like graveyard keeper and stuff. Yeah. It'd be nice to just not be kind of tethered to my PC for titles that don't really need it. Um, but yeah, very cool. Well, thank Thanks for that little consumer report. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to buy a uh, wall world, it's seven bucks. Uh, Canadian. If you want to buy Wall World with the Steam Deck, uh, it depends on uh, whether you want uh, anti glare etched glass. So it could range from. Well, you can look at the. I'm not gonna. The prices yeah. for the Steam Deck are also. Uh, some would consider, in terms of like compared to a Switch, are are rather uh, more expensive. So they range from 500 to 820, and really, for me, I went with the most expensive one for a couple of reasons. I was like, well, I'm only gonna buy one of these. And it comes with the fastest storage and it has like the anti-glare uh, glass, like the the higher end glass uh, yeah. screen. So if you're going to be playing a lot of handheld mode, like it's like kind of lo- if you were to buy a switch today and you don't have any other switch and you love to play handheld, you'd go with the OLED version because it has the better yeah. screen. These are not OLED screens for the Steam Deck, but um, I have spoke to a few folks who have who have purchased around, uh, you know, the, below the higher end model and it still works it's it's all the same guts it's just different um different uh uh, screen and a different uh, storage storage yes so they all come with carrying cases and they're fantastic they work really really like honestly any handheld system that doesn't ship with a with a with a case is like what are you doing so it's nice that it comes (laughs) with a case because cases are expensive yeah well and you need it if you're going to be transporting it right yes if it's not going to sit in dock mode all the time Exactly. I, I, I only have it in docked mode when I'm playing it. I, I don't leave it in the dock like I do my switch. I, I always keep it in the case because it just feels far more secure in, in the case. So I, yeah, I, I would recommend looking at a steam deck and if you order now, you'll have it by the time you have to do that four hour drive, which is, as you said, in a couple of weeks, right? So yeah, get on it. Now that you've experienced buying a, <laughs> from the and you don't have to buy from the source, Jocelyn, you can buy right from Yay! the source, Steam. <laughs> well, so I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you can only buy it from Steam. I don't think it's carried in in any retailers up in Canada. So no, not um, yet, not yet. Yeah, but uh, anyways, if you guys would like to uh, help me purchase a Steam Deck, you can head on over to <laughs> Patreon.com/slash The Gamers In. Right, good transition. Uh, just like Deadly Pants did, who is our April patron. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Again, that is over at Patreon.com/slash The Gamers In. 
Uh, that brings us to the news this week. We have uh, one final Tears of the Kingdom trailer has now come out. I will admit I have not watched this. I've been trying to avoid things as much as I can because, again, expectations. If I just keep my expectations at the same as Breath of the Wild, but new, <laughs> then <laughs> I'm probably going to have a better time. Uh, so, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this uh, Tears of the Kingdom trailer? Uh, well, you know, it focuses a lot on story and I don't necessarily have to get into the the moments that were shared. I think if you watch the previous trailers, you have an idea of of who may be back and and uh, and who's who's the big bad or whatever. But um, they introduced they confirmed a couple things. And really, this story trailer confirmed the most important thing, Jocelyn, which is you can make a you get to play as Link. <laughs> well, also, yes, you get to you are playing as Link. That is true. But you can also make a sword shield. You can attach a shield to your sword and use it as both. Game of the year, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head because, again, I haven't watched this trailer. I'm trying to wrap my head around mm -hmm. what that would look like. And I can't figure out how it would be both blocky and pokey at the same time. <laughs> well, um, if I recall, like I, I it, from from my mind, it's like you have you have a sword and then you fuse the shield onto the the blade, but you leave like the tip of the blade so that you can, you know, do the pointy end. Do the and, poking. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but also blocking because there's a giant shield on 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 the sword. I mean, you lose like uh, slashing abilities. I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't just use a sword and a shield. Anyways, I'm I'm not You'll judging. You'll find out I'm not in judging. like a month. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, it was it was a very story focused trailer um, and. I think kind of bookended well what was teased at the all the way back in 2019 when they announced this thing. So, you know, they're going to be exploring more of uh, what was hinted at in sort of the 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 beginning of Breath of the Wild with the with all the Calamity Ganon stuff and, you know, the ending 10,000 years ago. Like they're going to be exploring a lot of that, uh, but also in the sky. You're going to be able to go into the sky and <laughs> there's the sword shield. Yeah, this is exactly what I thought. It was it's a sword on a or sorry, it's a shield on a sword. And um, you get to make cool stuff, including um, a rocket. You can you can find rockets. So it, I'm I think not judging. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, no, it's fine. But, it's like, like as soon as you say there's rockets in Zelda, I'm like, nope. There, well, you know, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> there's look look there's a lot there's a lot going on in this trailer I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie and probably for the best that uh i mean i'm sure you've seen like people talking about the character that was shown i'm trying not to i don't want to spoil it for you if you are trying to <laughs> uh to wait but no it's it's well, a great trailer so, i mean honestly i'm not so worried necessarily about um like story spoilers necessarily i'm just trying to stay away from gameplay as much as i can sure because i feel like um there's a really good chance that if I watch the gameplay too much that it's really going to turn me off and I, I don't want that to happen. So I don't know if it's better to go into it pre-warned or not. But anyways, <laughs> this is the choice that I have made. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I don't care about like stories. But because honestly, in terms of video game story, Zelda games don't have all that much. <laughs> They're no. pretty straightforward. So like they're, I mean, I'm not saying there's no story. They definitely have some story and Breath of the Wild had, I think, more than, you know, some previous titles. Like really and truly the story of like Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask is very, very, very simplistic. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I'm not worried about story spoilers because I don't think there's that much to spoil anyways. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like I think, uh, Hey, guess what? It's a follow-up to Breath of the Wild, and um, you thought you saved the world, but not really. Something bad is still is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, there's always, like, something bad is going to happen. You're the only one that can save it. Zelda's probably going to be there in some way, shape, or form, and so is Ganon, because that's the trifecta. <laughs> yep. There's always, where yeah. there's a princess and a Link, there is a Ganon. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Easy peasy. Done. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh, Paramount Plus, is this a service you subscribe to? Because I think we've had this conversation before about how there are way too many streaming services and uh, you, it's hard to keep up at this point. Is Paramount Plus on your radar? 
Uh, not currently. I mean, Paramount Plus is available here in Canada. I think I... It doesn't have the same catalog as the American version, which is also the same as Netflix, but is very frustrating. So, like, I keep getting ads for Paramount Plus that's like, watch the new season of South Park. And then you go to the Canadian version and it's last year's season. They, like, they're a year behind for, I have no idea, probably Hmm. some weird licensing thing with, like, I think Comedy, Comedy Central is where... South Park plays on in Canada. So maybe there's some licensing thing like it's got to be free there first before it can go on Paramount Plus. Anyways, it's really stupid and made me mad because they made me sign up. And then the thing that they said was there wasn't there. So (laughs) I and now now the reason why we're talking about Paramount Plus today is because they're doing the Sonic spinoff of Knuckles. uh, And so that's even more reason for me to hate Paramount Plus and not give them any money. Well, I mean, if you did accidentally subscribe, now would be a great time for us to do that Sonic 2 commentary. But um, we can we can shelve that if you need if you, for a bit. I understand it's uh, it's probably a not little something bit you wanna... of a busy time for me. Yeah, but oh, I'll of course. try to fit it in, make it work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pay Paramount more than I have to. <laughs> well, I get it. I understand. Um, this Knuckles spinoff was something we knew about uh, shortly after Sonic the Hedgehog 2 arrived. And um, basically, they're talking about casting and and gave a bit of a. Uh, a synopsis here so essentially i'm gonna say this right off the bat um this synopsis is is batshit crazy and i don't know if it's (laughs) gonna make a good tv show it could make a terrible tv show or the funniest tv show we've seen featuring knuckles the echidna so um and you might ask ryan like wow there's not a lot of those there are they're not very funny um (laughs) but uh, anyways so essentially what's happening is knuckles will be training has sorry he's agreed to train wade as his protege and teach him the ways of the echidna warrior now i don't blame you if you don't know who wade is but he's like i do not know who wade is (laughs) he's the doofus cop essentially he works with um can't remember his but the main the main he he works with the main yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah i'm trying to remember his name it's not uh he was in um it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. So anyways, that's what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about Knuckles training, not the main guy from Sonic the Hedgehog, but his, his, his sort sidekick of uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the, uh, the, the doofus cop. The comic relief. <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, like he plays it very well. So like I said, it could be incredibly funny or it could be just downright stupid. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'll watch. I'll watch a little bit of it. So Knuckles, Knuckles is actually going to be played by Idris Elba again, right? Yes. Yeah. Th- Jocelyn, this is a cinematic universe. I mean, we have to keep okay, the same okay. <laughs> actors. We can't just. Oh, this is a TV project. Let's get. Um. Well, you know, an impersonator. To- <laughs> I know Toy Story does that. Whenever it's not the movie, it's uh, it's Tom Hanks' brother. So, um, <laughs> which I find to be. And it, I think there's like an interview out there where he, he completely owns it. It's like, no, no, if it's not a movie, I let my brother do it. <laughs> I just thought that is so funny. Um, but anyways, yes, this will be happening uh, at some point soon. I think they're looking to have it launch um, early next year, but it's going to be set between the events of uh, the second and third film, which Jocelyn is out uh, December 20th, 2024, in case you didn't know that. That's when the third hey, one comes. I, I didn't know that. Thank you, you very much for my weekly Sonic update, Ryan. Uh, it's been a couple months. <laughs> oh, that's fair, I guess. Um, and we were talking a little bit earlier about delays. Uh, we do now have an official delay on Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League not coming till February 2024 now in order to give the best quality experience to players. Um, I mean, I, I was kind of on the fence about this like this looks like something i could kind of get down with because i i like the characters of the suicide squad i'm not a huge fan of like killing the good guys but like and also i i think i prefer like beat them up to shooter but still like there was something about this game that kind of looked way over the top and just stupid in a fun way Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a little bit bummed that this has been delayed, but at the same time, like if it makes a better game, then, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, I uh, I, I was actually looking forward to seeing what this game would be like when it when it launched. It was honestly I think it was supposed to launch alongside uh, Tears of the Kingdom or a couple weeks later, which is a 
was going to be a busy time for it for it to launch. I think I feel like Tears of the Kingdom is going to kind of eat up that whole you know press cycle for for yeah. a good couple weeks. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, like you, I like the characters. I'm I'm not. I wasn't necessarily as interested in the more shooter focused gameplay. Uh, but I was I was willing to give it a shot. And I think their most recent story trailer that kind of showcased the more more characters, you know, the fact that Wonder Woman would show up as yeah, Wonder um, Woman and Flash. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like before when it was like, oh, all the good guys are infected and that's the story. Like, OK, that's I get that idea, you know, but also the fact that you have some of the good guys that are still um, trying to save the day. Like, it's not just the suicide squad like they're possibly like you have a bit of that like apprehensive team up moment where you have like the bad guys working with um you know the justice what's left of the justice league with wonder woman and and uh i think i can't remember if i can't remember if the green lantern was also infected it's it's been a while since i've dove into this but maybe the green lantern somewhere in there like not impacted well it's kind of good i mean they had to give suicide squad some like super powered OP superheroes, yeah. right? Like, because otherwise, like you just go up against like infected Flash and Superman and die. <laughs> like yeah. Superman just goes with his laser vision and everybody's dead and no one can touch him. Like <laughs> that's yeah. not a very engaging game. <laughs> no. And I mean I do like the idea of some of these uh the other good guys helping out where needed with the Suicide Squad. Like, um and I think like some of the idea here, like this is a massive delay, but it, it, it kind of fits in with what they're trying to do where after that state of play reveal, they kind of talked about how there, there are battle passes to earn paid cosmetics, but also they'll be adding similar to Avengers, adding characters post launch for free for you to play. Um, whether that means you can play as wonder woman or other characters that show up in the game. Like we don't know, but that's what they've talked about in terms of like how this game is going to work uh, long term. So they're kind of taking that Avengers approach, which I know didn't work especially well for Avengers, but like mm-hmm. part of that issue was gameplay. So if they're taking this year to kind of address like they're not going to change the game completely, but if they're looking to address and streamline some of the um, maybe the feedback that came in, uh, I think that's a good approach. And it's good that they get the time like most games wouldn't be given an additional year. I mean, it's still the same fiscal, I guess, which like if you're going to delay a game, like I guess this gives you, it still gives you that window of like, well, let's keep it. You know, we always talk about EA, like notoriously (laughs) releasing games like, well, we can delay it, but you can't delay it past March 31st because we need the sales, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, it's already been delayed once, right? It was supposed to come out in 2022, and then it was now is supposed to come out in May, and now it's being, like you say, pushed into 2024, but still the same fiscal. So I feel like this is the last delay we're going to see, and regardless of the state of the game, it's going to come out in February for all the reasons you just gave about, you know, fiscal and sales and everything else. So I feel like this is the last push we're going to see and uh for better or worse we're going to get it in february and i hope that they can kind of iron things out and make it a better game before then because they've had a lot of time now like Mm -hmm. going from 2022 to 2024 like that's a lot of extra time uh to refine the game so fingers crossed for that one and then finally, uh, Sega is buying Angry Birds. And for for a second, I thought when it said pushing into mobile, I thought you meant that like Angry Birds is pushing into mobile. <laughs> like Angry Birds has always been mobile. But no, it's Sega is getting into the mobile market with Angry Birds. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's not that uh, not that much in terms of acquisitions that we've been talking about lately. Uh, it's under a billion. It's $775 million for Rovio, which is the, the company that makes Angry Birds. So I haven't played Angry Birds in a really long time. But um, yeah, I mean, good on Sega. Yeah, I, I think Sega has, since the demise of their console business, has really focused on games, you know, focused on uh, not only building out their own portfolio of of internal IP with with uh, with Sonic essentially and mm-hmm. Sonic related characters, um, they've really worked to work with other developers and um, and bring them you know into their 
into their portfolio. Like you have a creative assembly, which was kind of like a head scratcher of like, okay, what does uh, the the maker of Sonic have to do with the um, creators of the Total War franchise, which is completely, you know, it's not even in, in the same, it's definitely not in the same genre, but it's, it's, it's very separate. So it's like, but they've worked really well to a lot of people were worried like, oh man, Sega's buying them. What's going to happen there? But really they've just allowed these developers to continue making what they make best. And, mm-hmm. and if they were purchased by another company like EA or something, they might've been able to make one game and then, well, that didn't work. Let's shut them down. So Sega's had a really good track record of picking up these companies and allowing them to do what they do best. And in this specific scenario, Sega is basically saying, we're going to allow Rovio to continue to focus on their mobile offerings while bringing in more uh, Sega IPs into the mobile market. Well, yeah, they're basically saying that like they bought Rovio because they know how to navigate the mobile space and make good mobile content. So they're like, hey, we have IPs, you have mobile expertise, like let's bring our stuff to that marketplace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, And it works the other way too. They've said that they want to also help Rovio in bringing their games like Angry Birds uh, over to the consoles and, and other markets. So I think there's a bit of a win-win here, but mm-hmm. you know, we see with other acquisitions, like specifically the one we always talk about with Microsoft and, and Activision Blizzard, a core component of that, you know, ignoring the whole Call of Duty drama aside, like it's all about mobile, like King and and picking that up to to really enter the mobile market without having to build from scratch. You know, you have this existing company that, that has a really good handle on mobile uh, video games. A lot of these companies do it. Nintendo did it. They partnered specifically with uh, DNA to, to work on their games. So like it's, it's a strategy that's had varying degrees of success, but for the most part, like I think mobile is really tough to, to break into, you know, like, and I think, I think maybe, this is a good a, a good path forward for Sega. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Angry Birds is is a, as is as a household name as it was a decade ago, but it's still pretty popular. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, I know that like you said, you don't know if they're going to be able to break into the mobile market, and I feel like um, the mobile gaming is like we we talked about this a little bit with Netflix, but like there's kind of like a stigma against mobile gaming with a lot of like traditional gamers, whether you think of that as PC or console or combination of both, but like mobile gaming tends to be looked down upon quite a lot from that group of players. And I think like, it's not necessarily the fault of developers or or games or whatever, but like the mobile marketplace is like much easier to develop for than PC or console. So there's a lot of like copycat stuff. There's a lot of particularly the, the trend for a while was, you know, like free games with microtransactions and, you know, multiple currencies to kind of like, hide how much money the consumer was actually spending and you know like there were a lot of very predatory things going on in that marketplace which i think is where a lot of the like dismissiveness comes from with more traditional gamers and i think that like at least again like i i played angry birds like when it came out which was like 14 15 years ago or something like that like a really long time ago um and like it didn't have all that stuff at that time i don't know if angry birds does now but i mean like i think that there's some companies trying to do mobile correctly and i don't think that it should be dismissed because it's still a huge part of the like gaming marketplace like where there is money to be made in games like mobile is a huge 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 platform there's tons of stuff over there that's making big, big money. Now, whether it's, you know, legit money or predatory money is, you know, depends on the title. But I mean, if you're going to see a company with IP you love, like Sega with Sonic, partnering with anyone, I think that Rovio and Angry Birds is the best match you're going to have in terms of creating, like, a fair, non-predatory game in the mobile space. You know what I'm trying to get at? Like, (laughs) I, I don't think we should, like dismiss this or dismiss mobile entirely i think this is a good pairing to 
to get us the kind of mobile Sonic that we're going to want, as opposed to, you know, lots of other companies they could have potentially uh, linked up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Angry Birds isn't isn't perfect in terms of their monetization. And I think that comes from where the market went with mobile games. They're not as I think the conversation of mobile games when they're when they're free to play, it comes down to how bad are they, you know, and yeah. there are some that are like really, really bad. And there are some that just have the bare minimum. Um, I would I mean, I I I play Fire Emblem Heroes, which is a Nintendo game, which is free to play, which has any in game tra- uh, transactions. You can play that game free to play. You can enhance your experience with a subscription. It really comes down to uh, how much you want to how much you want to put into it in terms mm-hmm. of money. Well, yeah, and, and I play Marvel Snap, which is very similar. Yeah, yeah, like you don't have to buy stuff. You can play without it, but it really comes down to your enjoyment level. Like if you mm-hmm. find that you're enjoying it and you want to put some money into it to continue to support it, there's the only reason that Fire Emblem Heroes has has survived the last six years is because someone is uh, putting money into it and you just hope it's it's enough of the player base where it's not a... It's not a crazy, it's, it's not a small amount of people putting a crazy amount of money into it because that's not healthy. Uh, but having like um, a good portion of the player base putting a little bit of money into it, that I think is is like a healthy example of, of a mobile game. But uh, I know a lot of folks would prefer to have like just pay the 20 bucks and let me have the game. But that model doesn't work as well on mobile. Um, I like the Apple Arcade approach where you you have the subscription and then they add a couple games um every every week or so and and Netflix has followed that model of like you have your subscription and you can play these unlocked premium games like I think that's my preferred approach is the is the subscription and I mean do I think that like Game Pass is going to come to mobile eventually like probably yeah I think we'll have like we're already seeing that they've partnered with Riot to have um their mobile offerings unlocked and additional content through game pass. So, you know, it's not unheard of. I think that's where we're going with this. I think we're going to start seeing subscriptions become an option to kind of offset the more evil stuff that we see with like, yeah, a bunch of, you know, $99 best value like that to me, that's the biggest one that I'm like, ugh, you know, I don't like to see that it's in every mobile game, including it's Fire all Heroes. over the place. Oh, yeah. It's same in Snap. Yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely a, a super large ultra mega bundle that's like 170 bucks. And yeah, but it's the best value. You get 20 mm. percent more. You should <laughs> it's like, I, but I, yeah. I spend one hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but you know, people do. <laughs> exactly. There, well, there are folks that do that. And then because it's the best value is like, well, I'll just, I'll buy in now at this level and I'll use the, I'll, I'll be spending less over the long term because I'm going to keep playing that game. Well, technically true. It, uh, it still doesn't feel great. It's almost like, well, if you can offer me, like, it really should come down. And this is the way I, th- it'll never work this way, but the way it should work is like, <laughs> I know I need 150 of the premium currency. So I'm going to buy 150 and it's just, the, the, there's no discount for buying more. It's just, it's priced uniformly. Like, you know, when I go to get gas at the it's, at the store, it doesn't get cheaper the more I buy. Yeah, that was a huge, huge problem with uh, Hearthstone recently because they introduced a premium currency and they said it was going to, like, allow them to do a whole bunch of stuff and, like, put smaller bundles because basically, like, there's a transaction fee on every purchase if you're not purchasing, like, straight through you know, the Hearthstone shop on your PC, right? So if you're in the mobile marketplace, which they are a mobile game, like if you go through, um, like if you're playing on your iPhone or whatever, Apple takes a cut of that. So that they their argument as Blizzard was, if we put this premium currency in, you can buy a bundle of premium currency and then we can sell you stuff for like 50 cents and a dollar, which we can't do right now because there's transaction fees and cuts from stores and stuff that make it so that we make zero dollars on, you know, small transactions like that. Now they have yet to really actually implement that, but they've implemented their premium currency. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like their major argument they haven't actually done yet. Um, But still, like, that's the the kind of the thinking behind that kind of premium currency stuff. But I'm I'm definitely with you. I'm like, I want to you know, like if something's worth like fifteen ninety nine, according to the company, I want to pay fifteen ninety nine because they also did the super predatory thing where it's like, 
you can buy premium currency in a bundle of 500, but then everything it costs like 150. So it's like you can go 150, 300, 450. I have 50 left over that I can't spend on anything. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I hate that. Again, it's not consumer friendly. But uh, anyways, anyways, we'll have to see what ends up happening now that Sega has uh, or it has confirmed that they are buying. I don't think it's actually gone through yet, but they have uh, put into motion acquiring Robio Angry Birds. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with uh, Sega IP on mobile. Uh, we will keep you guys updated. But if you want to continue on the conversation, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord and chat with us and everybody else in there. It's a really great community. So again, go check out bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Uh, you can also visit us on the web. You can go to www.gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>